Welcome to Business Unfiltered, where we dive into the raw and unfiltered world of running a business with Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Grab a seat for this unfiltered journey into the world of entrepreneurship. This is Business Unfiltered. Okay, welcome back to the Business Unfiltered podcast. I'm here with Mercer, and we are going to talk about a question that's near and dear to my heart, and that is around whether and when you should build SOPs. Now, before we get into that, I just want to give a little bit of a definition as to what an SOP is, because you might know it by a different name, but it's the idea of a standard operating procedure. Now, this is a term that's been pretty widely adopted in my bro technology community as far as like documenting what you do, what you do as a business. Um, you could go by other names, but let's just talk about process. Okay, we're, gonna, we're talking about process here, and the specific question is, at what point in the business journey do you need to have and document processes? You can do it maybe too early, maybe too late, or maybe just at the right time. It's almost like a Goldilocks scenario. And so I have Goldilocks here himself, Mr. Mercer, and we're going to talk a little bit about when should you create SOPs. So I'm going to kick it over to you, Mercer, and just the general question, when did you invest in creating SOPs for your business or have you done it yet? That's a really great question because it, it goes back. I'm really glad you talked about the definition of it, right? So obviously we're talking about standing operating procedures, but when I'm in my company, we actually have these things called SOPs, which are laid out Google docs with nice little images and some little videos and broken down by bullet points and everything else. And we also have like templates in our ClickUp, right? When we used to use Asana, we had templates in Asana. And in a really real way, like those templates were also SOPs, right? So the spirit of when we, and this is how we sort of figured out when to do this was when we were going to do something again, and it was going to be something that was just something we knew consistently we would be doing. So for us, it would be producing courses or uh, when we were doing Workshop Wednesday or Toolbox Thursday or any of these different things that we do for our brands. And they're something that is consistently happening over time. We will create a process for it. What we'll do is, is kick it off with a general sort of like do step one, then step two, then step three, typically in the, whatever you use for project management, right? For us, click up now. And so we'll put it in click up, step one, step two, step three. As we get the, the individual who's doing the work, right? They'll project manage it for them. And for us, it's still kind of that step-by-step -step process. But as soon as we start going, okay, you are going to be handing this over to somebody else. That's where we go into where I think most people think about traditional SOPs, which is like, okay, let's put in the screenshots. Let's put in all the stuff that that person's doing that they don't realize they're doing, flesh it out a little bit more, build a true SOP. And what we do is we give it to somebody else in our organization to do. So they will watch a video of the person doing the work. They'll break it down to an SOP. We give it to somebody else for them to test it and see like, did they get that same result? So that's kind of how we've been solving that problem so far. Um, and, and again, for us, that big key is when it is something that's going to be repeated. If it's a one-off, no SOP. But if it's like, this is going to be consistently over time, it's every Wednesday, whatever time, something like that, once a month, on the first of the month, 15th of the month, then it uh, becomes an SOP. How about for you guys? Yeah, I like that. Um, so it's funny, I, I have two different businesses that I've done this with at varying degrees. The first one was our agency. And... The agency, it was a, all a bunch of solopreneurs who sort of formed up to start to start what we called an agency, but it was really just a consulting shop and everybody had their own process, their own way of doing things. Everything was sort of bespoke, everything we did. And it was really frustrating because if you brought in a new employee, they had no idea how to do things. So it was a lot of one-on-one -on -one training, a lot of handing things over. 
and there was and, and you'd expect that they would do it to your level so there's really no and just to clarify is that kind of like everyone's coming in speaking a different language because they're all sort of solopreneurs absolutely we would we would take somebody who came in and they might have been had their own little freelance shop doing website design and we're like hey you're going to be our seo manager now um you know you can do a little bit of seo and, they, and we'd be like just go do seo and there would be no actual like here's how we do seo as a company here's how we do it and we we were that way this is in the mid 2000s so so it's not not recent but we did that until 12 employees before we almost imploded because we, we were all doing it differently. We had no standards of how we do the work and everybody's idea was a little bit different. And it was really every client got something new. And, and when you do that, you end up having to have a very senior team in order to, to get things done because they're the only ones who have the knowledge to get every single step done, to have the whole the whole experience. And so that's great when you're hiring a bunch of solopreneurs, giving them a, a home with with the shared resources. But it's not great if you want to bring down your costs of doing it. Um, otherwise, you have very expensive people. And so it's funny when I started the data driven business or the business that became data driven, I was like, I'm not going to make that mistake again. I'm going to put processes in very, very early. And I put them in too early and nobody in. And it was just like me and just like one other person. And there wasn't enough people to hand it over to that we were basically documenting something that didn't need to be documented yet because we were one experimental in the business. We didn't really have, didn't have a proven, proven process yet. And not only that, but we were also, um, we didn't have enough people that, that you'd actually hand it over to. So it was, it was sort of like I was, I was trying to not make the trap that I had before, but I ended up falling into a different trap, which was doing it too early. I was trying to document yeah. things that didn't there. And we had, you know, we had a knowledge base or we had a bunch of different SOPs that nobody ever looked at again. The process, the project was the SOP, but it was never something that we used again. And so I like what you were saying and, and how you how you did it is that maybe you didn't make those same mistakes. So did you make any mistakes along the way when you were doing this a little bit too early? Did you have to learn this or did you just intuitively know this is exactly when we need process? Yeah, we're the best at business, so we just don't make mistakes. I don't know why people make mistakes. That seems like a mistake. No, of course we made mistakes, yeah? I mean, it's like, and it was that. It was like you overcorrect because, and some of it was because everyone tells you like, oh, go do SOPs. And you think in your head, the SOP is that manual that you can give to somebody that's, you know, again, got all the pretty pictures and the screenshots and the click here. And so that anybody can do the job. You can hire a VA wherever, and then they will instantly be able to do it as best as, as you would have if you were doing it by yourself. So we did the same thing where we would overcorrect. Mm -hmm. And then by the time we were done the SOP, we started realizing just, it, I mean, you know, the world of tech, things change so quickly. It's like by the time the SOP was built, it was already done differently, right? Like, cause things evolved and you don't do it like this. So if people were using the SOPs, it was actually bad. So that's where we sort of took a step back and we changed the languaging a little bit. And I, this was not a conscious decision, but that's where we started calling things templates. So we're like, okay, let's make a template for this. And then what we would do is with our project management, we'll every task we have tasked out, we'll sort of make a, a template of it. And it links back to itself. So if I can copy the template and as somebody's using it uh, for whatever the project is that they're working on, if things have changed, there's a link already in that task that says, hey, here's the original template. If something's changed, go update that. So the next time it's copied over, it's kind of the most current truth, right? Of whatever the process is. And that's helped us out a lot. And then we do the SOPs, um, the traditional SOP in terms of that, you know, screenshot it out thing. We do this fairly rarely and only when we're pretty sure like things aren't going to change over, over time because our problem is we have all these SOPs that weren't being updated 
because who updates them and how do you update them in there? And because they're such a pain to create at that detailed level, they are a pain to maintain at that detailed level. So that was the mistake that we did was, you know, very similar, like building out all these things that were super useful at the time once or twice, and then weren't, weren't evolving as the organization evolves. So hence the, the template sort of system. But again, that takes care of the spirit of the SOPs for us. Yeah, I like that. And, and it's funny, I, you mentioned Asana, you mentioned a few tools, you me we mentioned checklists and templates. There's a lot of different ways to go about this. And that's, that's one of the big misconceptions. It's like, you might hear a podcast saying you got to do SOPs. And it's like, that's sort of an empty way of looking at it. Um, because you have to document, I, I say like just enough, you know, just enough processes to get going. So like, what do you need to do? Just, just enough, not just in case. So I've done just in case documenting where I had like these master Asana plans with every single step, every single task in a launch, a campaign for a launch, right? Hey, you need to go to the landing page. You need to do this. And we spent more time updating that plan or keeping it there than we did um, actually actually doing the there work. was more money spent on that on that plan there was in the execution. And it got to the point where I was just fed up with it. And I was like, we're actually, this isn't, this isn't optimal. I don't want to have the perfect plan anymore. I don't want to necessarily keep it up to date. I want to just do the minimum. What's the minimum viable project management or, or process we can do. And we, we sort of, we got rid of an entire instance of Asana that had all these templates and everything. And we just went back to Google suite and did it in sheets and said, here's the steps. If we miss a step, we add it in there and we just keep it at the, at a high level of task. You know, it's the name of the task and whether you did it or not. Now that's not necessarily great for an organization of, of 20 people where you are replacing people constantly, but if you have team continuity, it actually makes a lot of sense because basically we just clone the project from this launch to the next one. We fill in the blanks, put what's a different in there. And we don't make those same mistakes twice yet. People have enough autonomy to just get their job done. So we've sort of adopted more of a minimum level. And then as far as updating and screenshots and stuff like that, I do think that there, you definitely, those are certain tasks that can be done by, um, what I've been introducing in profit pillars is three levels of resources. So there's three levels of resources there. There's, there's advanced, which is us, like the owners of the company and your senior team. There's intermediate, which is a well trained and really good salaried employee type who's a specialist in a certain area. And then there's beginner or outsourced type type where that's somebody you can get on Fiverr or Upwork and, and things like that. I think that that bottom tier is the one where you need SOPs and you need to have that level of what you're going to do. Um, depending on where you hire them, though, you may you may not need to document everything. You might just hire them because they get the task done like podcast artwork, for example, if somebody says they do podcast artwork, you can use their process. And so I sort of look at look at this to say, what is the minimum amount that I need to get it done? But then I also separate it by role. So do you do this with roles as well? Do you have different roles where you 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 only have SOPs for certain roles? Or do you have SOPs for every role? For us, it's more on the project than the role. Uh, which is interesting because I, because I hadn't thought about the role part before. Like, how do you replace out this role? Part of it is because we haven't had that issue. We've got really good employee retention, which has been nice, but could be a happy accident. Right. Um, but we, we base it on the project. So if it's, you know, somebody's recording a lesson, how do you record a lesson? What do the slides need to look like? What do we, when they're editing the video, you know, making sure that the video has got motion every 30 seconds, like all that sort of stuff. So we kind of focus it more on the project, but I guess in a way it does take care of the role. Cause if we're showing how to edit the video, that's taking care of the video editor role, um, in that, in that particular way. 
I'm curious though, like when you're, when you're thinking about SOPs, are you, so are you always doing them in Google Docs and you're keeping them somewhat in the project management system, sometimes in Google Docs? Are they all in kind of the, the Google suite right now? Because yeah. and I, and I've wondered, like, if I build everything out in, let's say, ClickUp or Asana, let's say I did, like we did, we recently moved from Asana to ClickUp. So if I had everything in Asana, I could have just cloned that into ClickUp and ClickUp is a completely different way of working. So it would not have worked as well. And if I do everything in ClickUp and I got everything there and I decide to move to another project management system, it's all my SOPs are all tied up. So I like that idea of keeping everything in Google Docs, but it's the how do you maintain that and keep that updated, right? Because it's easier to update it in your project management system because you're working on the task and it can link to the task and everything. So how, how are you, how did you keep them updated that it was in, when, it, when it's in a Google suite like that? Yeah, this is, a, this is an interesting one because you'd be surprised how much I went backwards to just making me happy <laughs> in the last year. I wasn't happy with having to maintain two systems. I didn't like how, oh, this was updated in Asana, but, but people actually do all the work in Google Suite. I didn't like being tied to a project management tool, which they keep on releasing features, but every time they charge you for it and you're locked 100%. in. Uh, I didn't really want to be locked into any system because they all sort of compete with each other on features, not on uh, not on my happiness. And so I just ditched it and I don't use a project management tool at all anymore. I don't have one. And also our project plans are really basically a, a sheet that was our old Asana one, but it doesn't have all the dependencies and stuff like that. It's really just relying mm -hmm. on people and giving them more credit than, 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 than a system thinks. And it's like, we don't micromanage. We give them overall goals that they do and then they accomplish them. Now this is possible when your team has a players, right? If you have, if you have C players, they're not going to be able to manage themselves, but I just got sick of having to have this intermediary. I didn't want to build that type of organization where we needed to have somebody tell you what to do. Like, I don't want to really work with anybody if they don't, if, if, if they don't know what they need to do or if the project management has to, to take more time than their tasks. And so I just sort of got yeah. fed up with it. And then as far as actual documenting of processes, again, it's sort of like I treat people like professionals and I say, hey, here's how we do things, you know? So, so like, for example, when we first started sending emails and I handed that over to our marketing director. I, I did a S I did a video where I showed him, Hey, here's everything that I do in an email. Here's the things to consider. Here's how deliverability works. Here's how you run a test. Here's how you do these things. And it was overload. It was information overload, but, but he basically did that. I checked it. I checked the work, gave him feedback on it. And eventually he just does it. I don't have to even touch it. Right. So we sort mm -hmm. of SOP would it in that way where I transfer the knowledge. He made his own checklist of the things that I told them in the video. So it's, it's sort of like an informal way of doing it, but I don't, like, I don't think that he keeps that up to date and I'm not sure that he really needs to at this point because we're sort of in, in a good rhythm. Now the, mm. the, the, so, the vulnerability and that, that to ask you about exactly, vulnerability, right. that, that creates a vulnerability, right? And that is that if he leaves or if things change, then, then it can set us back. And that happened to me when, when my previous director of marketing left, I did get set back. Um, it took a while to recover from it. And it's like, was that an SOP thing? Was that a person thing? Um, part of me thinks it was actually because the previous person was more of a B or a C player. And now I got an A player that I don't really need to worry about it as much anymore. So just curious as to mm. how, how do you do the risk versus reward of this? How do you weigh that yourself? Yeah, exactly. I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to ask you the same thing. It was like, because that, that is my nightmare scenario is that the A player, right? It's, they don't, 
they don't leave on their own accord. Just something happens, right? They get sick. They go, you know, on vacation for a month. They, something happens where they just cannot be there anymore unexpectedly, right? Like, what do we do as an organization? Because we have to continue to move forward and take care of customers and clients and everything else. So if they are doing something that's sort of a special magic secret sauce that only they knew to do and to produce the result, and I'm making the assumption they're doing what I used to do when I used to do that years ago. And then I get in there and realize like, oh, wow, they are not following this piece. They were doing something completely different. You'd have to decipher kind of what they were doing and, and sort of forensically pull it apart and figure it out. And that's going to slow everything down. So I want to have the SOPs updated just with uh, maybe the bigger blocks, I guess, is I would get the big boulders, right? That if they do change something radically, um, or maybe there's some sort of auditing system, which we don't have in place right now for that. So that could be a vulnerability where we're like, you know, but that's why I'm using the template system because they're easier to keep updated, yeah. right? Even though, again, for the spirit of SOPs, the templates are, are doing that for us in the project management. And because they're always in there touching those templates, and then we've got our project manager who is in there sort of as a, almost like an insurance policy going, okay, did this work the way it was supposed to? And if not, then in fact, I had a, had a meeting with her yesterday where we were talking and I said, listen, if you're assigning stuff out, because she got a little caught up in the automation of these tools, to your point, these tools can overcomplicate themselves and have like, oh, we automate everything and just put in the due date and everything magically assigns itself and everybody's happy. And that's never the case, never. right? People start complaining like, why am I getting assigned this task three weeks before I really need to have it? What's going on? And and then she's like, well, I'm trying to get people to work ahead. And I was like, well, that's awesome. Are they working ahead? Because what they're doing is just pushing back that task three weeks to when they're going to do it anyway. And then you assign it again the next month. You're just, you're just blindly following your template adjust your template and go like, okay, well, this isn't, this doesn't need to be there three weeks ahead of time. It can be done maybe two days before, you know, go, try to do two days ahead of time. So she's trying to manage it in that way. And then her job is to, is to make sure that the, the templates are being updated, whether it's by her or the somebody else. So she goes in there and gets feedback. Okay. Is, did it produce the result it was supposed to this time? Um, or did something change? And at least it captures the big boulders for us. Again, that doesn't keep us from like right now we've got, you know, just in the world of, of uh, one of our brands is measurementmarketing.io. So we've got big measurement stuff and BigQuery is, is just a player in that market now. So everyone's learning BigQuery and database, data warehouses and everything else. And so I've got team members who at this point, I can't keep up with it, right? I'm, I'm more on the strategy side of stuff. I don't have those tactical skills. So I've got people who are doing BigQuery stuff for clients. And I'm like, what happens if they go away? So they're creating videos just showing kind of what's going on. Um, and then if something changes, they'll recreate that video. But what we'll do is the video is easier to recreate than if somebody went in and, and quote unquote SOP that video, meaning they take the video, watch it, take all the screenshots, blah, 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 which takes somebody a few hours. And then by then it's different, right? So, and the, those SOPs are slow to update. And that's what has been happening on our end. We, we cannot, once they go into a, a Google doc with screenshots, they tend to stay like that way forever. Yeah. Right. And so I've got SOPs from four years ago about how to use WordPress, you know, three point whatever. And now it's at six. Right. So it's like it's, they're, they're ridiculously useless at this point. So that's why we sort of took it up a level to where we're like, whatever we're touching, then we can recreate it. If, if the way we do SQL queries and BigQuery changes or whatever tools we're using for data transformation changes, recreate that video, put it in this spot. And then what we started doing was in each individual task of the project management, 
And believe me, project management, I just wrote down as a topic when you were talking about it. So I'm like, that's going to be something you and I talk about. Because I would love to see that system. To, to your point, I love simplicity. It's, it's easy to make things complicated. It is hard to keep things simple, right? So I definitely want to talk about that. But the um, future topic for everybody else listening. Uh, but the, that idea of having the task itself, here's what you need to do with this task and whatever step of the project it is, underneath it saying, here's the link to the template if you need to go change what this task is doing now for whatever reason, you can put the details here and change stuff. And then underneath that, maybe having a link to, here's a quick video walkthrough of this task. And that way, occasionally somebody can click on that and be like, is this still what I'm doing? Yes, it is, okay, fine. Now that we have not added, that was just an idea I just had as we were yeah. talking, but I could see that use case of like, here's how you do this one thing in a video that might take you know five minutes to watch this one part. Now somebody else, again, if something happens to that A player, because again, I, I love the A player concept. It's just that sometimes it's out of their control too, right? If something happens. So it's like, if something happens to the A player, at least somebody can go into their tasks and go like, oh, here's the five minute video where maybe they themselves were showing notes to they themselves, right? Of how to do the job. And then meanwhile, somebody else can come in and the work has been able to be transferred around. Yeah. So that's sort of how, how you know, we're um, handling that. I'm curious on your, cause we have that, that saying, it's a different saying, but the same concept of like, we call it good enough to get going, right? You gotta get good enough to get going. You hear that whole thing, like don't sacrifice progress for perfection, you know, same sort of rules. But how, when you're doing your, your uh, SOPs, are you, are you putting them, I'm trying to imagine what this looks like in this, in a spreadsheet that has like, do you just say like, hey, produce the video kind of task and they do that? Or do you have produce the video and then, uh, step one, define the topic. Step two, do this. Step three, do this. And they're marking that stuff off as like, like at least like a checklist or something when you're, when you're doing that. Yeah. So it's, it's really simple. Um, generally speaking, you know, most things that, that endeavors that we have, I started at some point in the business and when I'm ready to hand it over, I do a video where I over, where I show what's happening. I, I go through all the steps and then that person takes it on. And that's sort of the, the SOP to that perspective is like, here's how we do it now. As we and, and just quick, just to clarify, when you're doing the video, you're you're teaching it to somebody else. Yeah, I'm teaching of. it That's as a loom video. Like, hey, here's what we do. Gotcha. We go here. I click on this button. I I here's how I create a segment. Here's what I think about when I do a segment. All that stuff. Just going through all That's the smart. like. I send an email. I actually do it like trial by doing. So I I create the SOP doing that activity. Um, and then and then that's usually just done through our Slack channel where we where we communicate it. People, I, I tell the person whose whose role it is to watch it and to do that. And then that and then I'm like, make sure this gets into our our master plan. So then the next time we do a, a campaign, that will be a line item on there. Um, we don't actually have here go watch this video on how to do it because I just have to give my team more credit than that. Nobody's gonna watch mm -hmm. a freaking video the fifth time you've sent an email. Um, it would be, exactly you know, right. I do, I do make sure like for things that are checklisty that need a checklist, I'm like, Hey, you should do a checklist. So you never miss a step. And so I, I definitely tell people, make sure you don't miss a step. Some people aren't very good at it. So then it comes down to roles. Like I can, it, some people I tell never miss a step and they never miss a step again, like a, you know, like a, a lockbox. Yeah. Some people, even though they're really talented, they're talented in things that are not checklists and they might miss it every time. Right. So it's like, you need to have somebody develop it for them or you need to, you need yeah. to give them a little bit more love. Um, I'm not like a, they, they can still be an A player in creative, but creative people generally are not great at, at, uh, managing that, that piece, right. They're not necessarily great at managing project ma projects for themselves. So mm -hmm. it, it really, you know, it's, it's a little bit tailored towards the role and the person, um, a little bit. And, and then it's, it's really just the, our project plan and our SOPs and what we do are sort of all 
in one. So if you clone that, we, we do it. We also add steps. If we miss something, if we miss the mark on a launch, we add steps in there. So we just added a step at the beginning of every marketing campaign to do a big idea brainstorm session with all the, the stakeholders in the thing. And then we, we just sit there for 30 to 60 minutes and we wrap about what is the reason why we're even doing this in the first place. So we added that as a beginning step. And then we have templates for how do you, what's an email sequence? What's the cadence? We have rules. Like you can't email the same person two twice at the same time. We have to email on these days. Like, so we have, we have those rules. Um, how well they're written down is another, is a good question, right? Like it, you know, it's like if somebody left right now, they wouldn't be like, we only emails on only, only email on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but we have all the history that we can go through. Right. So I'm, yeah. Right now I'm a common thread, which is probably not the greatest place to be. One of the roles that I've thought about hiring is sort of like an operations manager who just takes this in place. I'm not going to hire a project manager, um, probably because I, I think that project managers, like you said, they they get they get more focused around the tool and making the tool yeah. look good to them. They don't really right. if they don't understand the human element, then 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 that's not really what I'm looking for. I don't want to, yeah, you're, you're not trying to hire a babysitter, no, I'm not, which yeah. is sometimes what they can devolve like, into. We're not right? a factory. Like we're not an assembly line. I'm not Amazon. I'm not trying to manage people by how many, how many cardboard peanuts they put into a package and how many they get out in an hour. I'm not timing people's bathroom breaks. We're, we're trying to, you know, this is a knowledge, you know, a, a senior team. So I, I, I give them credit, um, and, and autonomy within that. And that, that's sort of where I'm at, but also, you know, a, a at some point you have enough people that you do need some kind of operations manager just to, just to make sure the work product gets out there consistently. Right. So mm -hmm. that's, that's a role I'm, I'm definitely thinking about bringing on and I've been thinking about it on and off for, for years. How about, yeah, yeah, how about you? Do you, do you have, I know you have a project manager. Do you have like an operations manager above that or how, what's your structure around these? No, it's a good, good question. So, I mean, if anything, that's probably me right now, but the goal is to grow her into that role, right. To help her understand, like, I need you to be an expert in this tool because she does need to understand the project management tools that she's a part of. And, and the team doesn't need to be an expert in it. She does so that she can help them organize and get out of their own way most of the time. Right. Um, so that's how we do that. But, uh, you know, I'm curious in the, in the what, five minutes or so we've got left here the what about in terms of there's sops as they relate to a freelancer somebody who's just starting out just put you know one person putting out their single and then you've got hired a couple of vas stage of the business then you've got okay now we're on w-2s and full-time salaried employees and and then the company grows into like well now there's departments that are managing departments right um, type of thing. How, in your opinion, sort of how, do the, how does that change the SOP landscape? Like if you're a freelancer, should you be paranoid about like, I'm going to create a video for every single thing that I'm doing? Or is it like, that's just overkill? In my opinion, I think it's kind of overkill because who are you teaching to? Um, it's more when you're starting to think about that initial VA that you would do that. And then maybe when you've got at the level of departments where you've got a department manager who has now managing their own teams, right? They, it's sort of like a level down. They are creating videos for their teams now, instead of me creating videos for them, like I initially did. Is that sort of the same framework you would think about? Yeah, I think that's a pretty, in terms of, as it relates to team size. Yeah, I think it's a pretty similar progression. You know, at first it's you and then it's you and somebody, you know, you're somebody who you get rid of your easiest task to get rid of, whether it's a VA or, or apprentice. I went the apprentice route. Um, that, that one you sort of just, you, you do videos or, or you email them what they need to do and then they do it. And then 
yeah, then eventually when you have departments, the department head would take that over, right? So you wouldn't see like the CEO of a Fortune 500 company writing documents for like people on their team, right? They, they need to do that themselves. And that's sort of how you structure it. So that's how I look at the the world as well as like, I think that, you know, you get that middle, you get that, that middle layer in your business. That's really a inflection point that we're all trying to get to, right? Um, when, mm. you know, you start out, you're, it's, it's a flat organization. Everybody reports to you, <laughs> but then you want to add those middle levels. And that's one of the advantages of doing that into your org structure is adding that, that middle part with expectations where somebody needs to, to verify and check the quality of work on each one. Now it depends on the type of business. Like our education businesses are different than an agency business. We should make sure that we say that an agency business, you can get there pretty fast because you you settle on a certain amount of services and then you're doing the same thing for different clients, but you're doing the same thing. I'm, I'm running a campaign. So it's way easier to do SOPs for that type of business than it might be for an education business where you, you don't necessarily do the same tasks every single time. You don't, there's a little more creativity involved and yeah. Subjective interpretation of of what the task is. There's different levels of competition and the delivery model is different, right? So there's a different level of project management for a product than there is for a agency. And so I think that, you know, what we do for our for our product businesses actually is not as relevant for an agency business, right? It, it is that the agencies have a different way of doing it. And I know yeah, you have both you have both the delivery side and the right. and the education side. So I'm guessing that there is a little bit of a different approach. Is there for you? Yeah, there is. I mean, obviously, it depends upon each client has different marketing tech and measurement tech and and everything else that we can uh, put into them. So it varies on that, but it is a little bit more cookie cutter than creating a course. And how are we going to teach this this time? And what different analogies can we use and everything else? That's, you can't really SOP that other than, you know, have an analogy, talk, you know, compare it to three other things, but it's not like, oh, make sure one's a horse or make sure one's a whatever. It's not to that level of detail or you destroy creativity. You can't SOP creativity. I think yeah. you can yep. SOP the, the direction it needs to go, but not the exact stones they need to hit along the way, I guess. Yeah. Right. I love that. Um, yeah. But it, the, the last little bit here, um, and I'm curious because you have the experience in this and I just don't. And I've always heard this, right? SOPs is like the manual for your business. And if you're ever going to exit, you have to have SOPs because if you don't have a manual, your business isn't going to be worth as much. And you have exited. So my question to you is, this is true because we're business on filter now. I want the truth. Did SOPs come into play? Did they even care that you had SOPs? Yeah. So shout out to Emith, by the way, a great book. That was sort of like the, that's that's the manual for your business. Really good book. And and. Anybody who's struggling should read that or who just is curious that you myth revisited is awesome. So our agent, my agency exit was like, I, I started there in 2006. I stopped working full time in 2013. One of the reasons why I left was because I one wanted to create a product instead of just doing services. And then I also wanted to sort of, I wanted to be the, the leader as opposed to a leader. Um, and so and then also just a lack of like alignment because there was four partners. And so it was like, you know, it was really hard to get alignment. And one of the things we couldn't really get alignment on is are we a bespoke consulting shop or are we a agency? Are we an SOP process, do things the same way, just go out there and get clients? Um, our agency ended up being a lot more bespoke in the end. You know, we had clients that were a million dollars a year in services. So to have a million dollar a year client, they're not going to let you choose your SOPs and they're not going to go with that, right? You have to, like, you have to 
at the creative level, like you said, you can't SOP creativity. You can't SOP mm-hmm. that type of stuff. So that we didn't really have any SOPs for, for that, but you can SOP how to run a client meeting, how to do account management, how to check in with the client, how to send them the bills for this, how to get a contract to be signed for the next year, how to incentivize an account manager to do that. What level of project management do we need? What tool do we have? All that type of stuff. You have when somebody's doing a search marketing campaign. Yes, here's what you do every day when you're doing a search marketing campaign. You need to look at the search terms report. You need to go out there, change the settings. You need to adjust bids. You need to look at the bid strategy. You might run an experiment. You need to check in on that stuff. So that definitely it's pretty clear what tasks you need to do at the um, at the branch levels. But at the top level, that's sort of where you have to think on your feet. And that's generally where I recommend um, that we have, you know, we have a certain number of people at each at each level that does that. And and I think that, you know, having the senior people on top who run the strategy and then feeds into an SOP is is the right way, in my opinion, to run an agency business. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So I think we're we're near the end of time. We're trying to keep these episodes to to a certain time limit. So this just gives us a lot of meat on the bone for things that we can talk about the next time. So when you should create SOPs, I think we did a pretty good job of answering that. As you can see, Mercer's pretty far along in what they have. They have a lot of documentation, but also it's 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 something where you create it once. It's not a set it and forget it thing. It's something that you need to do and look back at over and over again. So just think about how that might work for you and how that all comes together. And uh, if you want to hear us expand on any of the topics that we covered here, because we went through a lot of different things. We would love to get your ideas for future topics as we get further into this podcast. So thanks a bunch for listening, everybody. Thank you, Mercer, for joining me. And we'll see you on our next episode. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Business Unfiltered with your hosts, Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and tell a friend what you've learned today. Want to connect? Visit us at businessunfiltered.fm. This has been Business Unfiltered, always unapologetically honest.